From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. These Cadillac plans, in turn, uh, inflate overall healthcare spending by causing employees to use unnecessary or low-value healthcare. Welcome to Season 3 of The Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami Law's experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. The most controversial and unpopular piece of the Affordable Care Act is the so-called Cadillac tax, a 40% tax on the most generous employer-provided health insurance plans. Slated for implementation in 2018, Congress has delayed its start twice. Now, with public opinion shifting and the House in the hands of the Democrats, the Cadillac tax may be heading for the junkyard of health care. With us today is Gabriel Scheffler, Miami Law's newest professor of health law and policy, a former research fellow with the Solomon Center for Health Law and Policy at Yale Law School. Scheffler also was a staff economist at the White House Council of Economic Advisors, where he worked on healthcare and labor market policy. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Good morning, Gabe. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so the Cadillac tax. Um, can you first give our listeners just like a little short course on the Cadillac tax? Uh, sure. So to understand the Cadillac tax, uh, you have to back up a bit. Uh, so since the 1950s, we've exempted uh, employer-provided health insurance from federal income and payroll taxes. Uh, this partly explains why most people in the U.S. who have health insurance get it through their employer, uh, something that isn't true in other developed countries. Uh, and if you think about it, it's probably not the ideal arrangement that you would come up with if you were designing a healthcare financing system. Uh, economists have long criticized the tax exclusion for employer-provided health insurance since it creates an incentive for employers to provide compensation to workers in the form of health benefits uh, instead of raising their wages. Uh, that results in wages that are too low uh, and health insurance plans that are arguably too generous, so so-called Cadillac plans. Mm -hmm. uh, these Cadillac plans, in turn, uh, inflate overall healthcare spending by causing employees to use unnecessary or low-value healthcare. Uh, economists also say the exemption for employer-provided health insurance is regressive, so higher-income people are more likely to have jobs that provide health insurance in the first place. Uh, and then the higher people's tax bracket, uh, the more the tax exemption for employer-provided health insurance is worth. So the higher-income individuals derive a larger benefit uh, in dollar terms from the exemption. The Cadillac tax was intended to address these problems by partially offsetting the tax-preferred status of employer-provided health insurance. So the tax was passed uh, as part of the 2010 Affordable Care Act. Uh, it imposes a 40% excise tax on employer plan costs above a certain threshold, which is uh, roughly $11,000 for individual coverage uh, and $29,000 for family coverage. Uh, the tax is indexed to rise with inflation, but because inflation tends to rise more slowly than health spending, the percentage of plans and plan costs that are subject to the tax are expected to grow over time. So the original intent uh, was to help pay for the ACA's nearly $1 trillion cost. But since the passage of the 2010 law, the cost of premiums and out-of-pocket costs have soared. Is the focus now on bringing down the cost to the consumer? 
Uh, yeah, so I think it's helpful to distinguish uh, overall health spending from uh, out-of-pocket spending. So that is uh, the money that people with health insurance pay out of their own cash reserves uh, directly on their health care in the form of deductibles, uh, co-pays, and co-insurance. Uh, the Cadillac tax was one of the most important policies uh, in the ACA to address overall healthcare cost growth. So, for for instance, uh, there's a recent study by the Congressional Research Service that projected that it would reduce healthcare spending by roughly two and a half to three and a half percent in 2024. Uh, but its effects on out-of-pocket spending are more ambiguous. Uh, since overall healthcare costs are reflected in the prices that you and I pay for healthcare out of pocket, theoretically it could reduce out of pocket spending. Uh, but it could also increase out of pocket spending by encouraging employers to shift employees into uh, high deductible health insurance plans or plans with narrower networks uh, where they'll have greater out of pocket costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a pretty dramatic increase in cost sharing in employer health plans over the last several years. Uh, and there's some at least uh, anecdotal uh, reporting that the Cadillac tax has accelerated this trend, uh, even though it hasn't actually taken effect yet. Okay. Um, so where's the political divide? Where are the voters? Who opposes it? Uh well, uh, the tax has never actually taken effect. So it, it was originally scheduled to go into uh, effect in 2018, a uh, full eight years after the ACA was passed uh, and several years after the main insurance provisions in the law were implemented. Uh, Congress has twice delayed the tax. So currently it's not scheduled to go into effect until 2022. And whether it will ever be implemented at this point seems doubtful. Uh, just a few months ago, the House overwhelmingly voted to repeal it uh, by a vote of 419 to 6. So politically, the Cadillac tax doesn't have too many friends at this point. Uh, there are a lot of powerful interest groups, uh, including some that are usually at odds with one another, uh, that are united in their opposition to the Cadillac tax. So, for instance, the Chamber of Commerce uh, and insurance companies don't like it since it's a tax increase, uh, and unions don't like it because they negotiated generous health insurance benefits for their members. Uh, at this point, the only constituencies really in favor of it are economists uh, and some deficit hawks. Uh, in theory, there, there are technical changes that could be enacted to address some of the substantive criticisms of the tax. So, for instance, the Obama administration had proposed modifications to the tax that were designed to make it more responsive to regional variations in healthcare spending. Uh, others have proposed changing the index for indexing formula so that the tax doesn't hit uh, less generous health plans over time. Uh, but at least right now, it seems like there's little political appetite for improving the tax. Okay. Um, what's next for the ACA? Uh, well, we're nearing the 10th anniversary of the ACA's passage, uh, and the law has reshaped the U.S. healthcare system in a number of ways, some of which have been widely recognized, uh, like providing around 20 million people with health insurance, and some which are less well-known, like uh, authorizing experiments in Medicare designed to improve quality and lower healthcare spending. One thing that's been true throughout the law's history is that it's been a lightning rod for legal and political controversy. 
This continues to be true. Uh, so there's ongoing lit litigation surrounding various aspects of the law. Uh, maybe most notably, uh, the Fifth Circuit is expected to issue a ruling soon on a pretty brazen challenge to the ACA, uh, arguing that Congress's elimination of the individual mandate penalty in 2017 uh, rendered the entire law unconstitutional. The Trump administration and Republicans in Congress seem to have given up on repealing the ACA legislatively, uh, but the administration continues to chip away at various aspects of the law through regulation and other administrative actions. Uh, the Census Bureau uh, just recently released data showing that the number of Americans without health insurance coverage actually increased in 2018 the first such increase since the ACA was enacted in 2010. But the law is still very much around, despite President Trump's occasional statements to the contrary, uh, and a future administration could undo a lot of this damage. Okay. Um, anything you'd like to add? Uh, well, one broader lesson from our experience with the Cadillac tax is that it's a reminder of just how difficult it is politically to curb healthcare spending. So the late economist uh, Uwe Reinhardt had a saying that every dollar of health spending equals someone's healthcare income. And since the economy now accounts for something like, uh, excuse me, since healthcare now accounts for something like 18% of the economy, there are a lot of people that benefit from higher spending. Uh, you've also seen this recently, uh, even in some specific areas where there's bipartisan agreement that something has to be done to reduce healthcare spending, such as with prescription drugs or surprise medical bills, where there's been really fierce pushback from industry groups that stand to lose money if healthcare costs are lowered. Uh, and the problem's even more intractable than that, since those of us who are fortunate enough to have relatively generous health insurance don't tend to like the idea of making those benefits less generous. So uh, I'm sorry to end your podcast on a down note, uh, but my own view is that things may have to get worse in terms of healthcare costs before the public exerts sufficient pressure on politicians to overcome resistance from interest groups and affect meaningful change. Well, we'll have to get you back when there's good news. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Ray D. Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law's Miami Scholars Public Interest Program, attracting the best minds with a passion for public service and the law. 20 full scholarships are given annually. For more information, visit law.miami.edu forward slash Miami Scholars.